We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Week 17 preview show. I hope that you and yours had a great holiday week, and after a couple of days off, we're ready to get back on our game week grind. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and to help me preview Sunday's regular season finale against the Minnesota Vikings, I'm joined by my co-host, Brandon Hazlett. B, I need to know, how's it going? Did you have a good Christmas? I did. I had a really good Christmas. I had... Between mine and my girlfriend, we had five Christmas parties to go to. So uh, it's been been a lot of partying, been a lot of fun, been a lot of food. So it's it's been good. How about you? How was yours? It was a lot of fun. You and I were just talking about this. I pulled the whole uh, Ralphie and the Red Rider trick on the kid. He wanted Beyblades for Christmas, and I hid it behind the couch. Made sure it's the last gift that he opened, and it was way after we already opened gifts. Kind of surprised him a little bit. Uh, you can tell he was in the holiday spirit afterwards. He was running around the house, wishing everybody, I think in the entire world, actually, a Merry Christmas. So <laughs> I'm glad that we were able to make his Christmas one that was special, one that's remembered. The first one was us being mom and dad, so that was very exciting. But yeah, really fun Christmas. But like I said, it's time to get back on the game week grind. And really, though, the best way to start this preview, I think, is actually by determining what exactly we want to happen. Because this time of the year, with the Bears already securing a spot in the playoffs, there are still a couple of different scenarios that can play out this week. And here they are. And this is to the best of my knowledge, because this does get kind of complicated in a hurry. So scenario one, the Bears win. The Vic- and the, the Vikings would lose if the Bears win. But I meant to say the Rams. So if the Bears win and the Rams lose, the Bears will move up to the second seed and get that bye week. Um, but if the Bears lose um, and the Vikings win, which, of course, like I mentioned, already happens, the Bears get the three seed, and they will go ahead and play the Vikings in the wild card. But if the Bears win, the Rams win, and the Eagles win, uh, that will be a three seed and we play the Eagles. If the Bears lose and the Seahawks lose, uh, we have the three seed, and then we also get to play the Seahawks. So three different options here. Uh, well, technically four if you count the buy, but three options in terms of wild card opponents. And Brandon, uh, I want to start this podcast with a simple question, complicated answer. Vikings, Eagles, Seahawks. 
Who would you rather see in the wild card round if it re- if we did remain at the three seed? I'd like to pl- <clears throat> excuse me. I'd like to see the Eagles uh, personally because if Nick Foles is still their quarterback back there, uh, he's not the most talented quarterback that we've seen all year. And I know their offense has picked up a little bit since Carson Wentz has been out. Uh, but I think that's a much more uh, favorable opponent uh, in the Bears' favor because they started the year really slow, uh, and then they've obviously progressed now with a different quarterback back there. Nick Foles, like I said, he's not the the best quarterback we've seen. I think that we have a lot more talent on defense than they do on offense. Uh, so I, I think that that's a matchup that that favors the Bears. But I'll take that that second round bye over all the options if I get that choice. Yeah, I think everybody wants that bye week. <laughs> I mean, that is a given. You move an extra round, you get a home field advantage the second week of the playoffs, which of course is a an added benefit and added bonus. And technically, you could have home field throughout if the number one seed does end up falling their week as well beforehand. So that does seem like plan A. But of course, looking here at the wild card round, just looking at these teams, they all bring some different things to the table. The Seahawks, they just beat Kansas City. They did lose to San Francisco the week before, though, so they are a very confusing team. We did beat them earlier this season. Um, But with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson having, I'm going to call it abundant postseason experience, that's a little bit worrisome. Then the Vikings, I don't know if you want to play the team three times, let alone back-to-back weeks. Um, And we'll talk about it throughout the show, but I do believe that uh, the Bears are the better team throughout these two, but still their defense out of all three of these teams, the Vikings defense would pose us the biggest issues come the postseason. And then the Eagles, like you mentioned, Nick Foles leading the charge. Um, they just won a Super Bowl with him, and it would be kind of cool, kind of neat to knock them off. Their defense does allow uh, nearly 400 yards and over 23 points per game, and I trust that our defense could slow down their offense. Their offensive line isn't terribly, you know, overly great. Um, they do have a hard time actually establishing the run. So, I don't know. I think that might be like you said. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. The easiest out of all of them because their offense might be one that I trust the Bears defense to stop, which again, I trust the Bears defense to really stop any offense. They have they proved that they can. And then with their defense, I believe that they give our offense the best chance between Seattle, Minnesota, and Philadelphia. The Eagles defense, I think, would give our offense the best chance to succeed in that wild card round. Is there anything else you want to mention here about how these can kind of shake out? I don't think you want to play Minnesota three times. Uh, especially because when it's a divisional opponent, uh, so you already play them twice. And if since the NFL is kind of a league where you don't really know what you're going to get week in, week out, uh, if the Bears beat them two out of three times and that one time that they lose happens to be in the playoffs, that's not a very favorable uh, matchup. So I think if we can get our two wins against Minnesota here uh, and then escape them in the wild card round, I think that's the best way to go, whether than if we do play Seattle or Philadelphia, I think the we have to win this game to avoid playing Minnesota a third time because I don't like our chances of winning three times in a row in one season, personally. Now, how would you feel if we beat Minnesota, gave it our all, the Eagles still end up losing to Washington, and then we still have to play Minnesota regardless? Would that just like grind your gears as much as it would I? Yeah, I would be more frustrated because then I almost feel like we didn't play for anything. Yeah, exactly. It would almost feel like a pointless weekend if you show them some things that maybe you're debating saving for the playoffs or anything like that. 
that would be difficult because Minnesota's defense, um, they're very strong. They're very good. And again, we're going to talk about this throughout the show. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. But it does seem like we're in a consensus here that the Eagles would be uh, the matchup that we would like to see out of all three. Um, I do agree when I look at this and I speak about it. Uh, Kirk Cousins, though, out of all three quarterbacks, would be the one that I would like to face. So it's conflicting emotions, conflicting kind of uh, things here. But in terms of what we can do to set up our offense to succeed, Philadelphia does seem like the way to go. All right, so regardless how it all shakes out, the only thing the Bears can do this week is take care of business against Minnesota. And it sounds like that they're planning to do that. Um, head coach Matt Nagy was telling the media earlier this week, and I quote, we got to win. We need to win. And I like that mindset. Uh, the Vikings, they have uh, won six straight in Minnesota versus the Bears. So it's time to change that narrative as well. So let's go ahead and just jump right into our preview and determine how the Bears can sweep the Vikings after beating them 25-20 to in primetime back in November. Let's go ahead and begin with the Bears' defense. They've been playing at a very high level over the last current three-game win streak, and they've only allowed one team to eclipse 10 points on them, with that being the Packers a couple weeks back. Now, Brandon, the last time that the Bears uh, were against the Vikings, they held them to three points through the first three quarters after allowing a 17 in the fourth. And all the Vikings' first-half drives, too, I checked my notes, they ended in either a three-and-out, there were three of them, or a turnover with two. So revisiting that first meeting, obviously the Bears defense needs to find a way to accomplish what they're able to do for the majority of that game, especially in the first half. So as a refresher, do you have any things um, in particular that you want to see the Bears kind of carry over um, from the first go round on defense? Yeah, a couple things. One is they didn't the Bears didn't win the turnover battle because they still turned the ball over three times on offense. But regardless, defense still forced three of them. And if they can force that same amount uh, in this this uh, environment here in week 17 at Minnesota. And that's going to play a lot to get the crowd out of it because we know how big of a factor that crowd is up there in Minnesota. They're a rowdy bunch. Uh, and they even scored off one of those uh, turnovers uh, back in week 11. Uh, it was an Eddie Jackson pick six. Uh, then Cleo Mack also had a forced fumble and Adrian Amos also had an interception. So if they can force three turnovers, it doesn't even have to be three. If they can win that turnover battle, whether it's one to nothing, two to one, whatever that, that margin may be, that I think that plays a big part in how well this team's going to succeed because they can give the offense, again, another chance to put points up on the board, playing more complimentary football. And then the second thing is stopping the run because uh, when we talked uh, in the previous show last time we played the Vikings, I said that Kirk Cousins, when he has to throw the ball 40 times or more, they typically don't win those games. And the Bears defense shut down the run pretty well. I don't remember what the – the amount of yards that they gave up was. It wasn't very many. I remember that much. It was a very impressive effort by the Bears' run defense. And that forced Kirk Cousins to throw the ball throughout the game. Granted, that was a different offense because John DeFilippo was still there as their offensive coordinator. Uh, but regardless, if they can still shut down the run and put the ball in Kirk Cousins' hands and make him try to win the game, I think that plays favorable matchups for the Bears. So shutting down the run and winning the turnover battle for me are the two things I want to see carried over. Absolutely. Those are two on my notes as well, because you, t- you talked about it. Uh, they only gave up 22 yards on the ground last time on 14 carries, only an average of 1.6 yards per run allowed by that Bears defense. Um, I'll take this a step further, because last time we saw them stop the run early, which kind of forced Minnesota to ditch it. And as a result, they had to kind of rely, like you said, on Kirk Cousins, which I believe if we want to win this game, that's those are the hands that you want to put that game into. Cousins against our defense. 
Um, on top of that, the pressure was phenomenal. You had Akeem Hicks flying around the ball. You talked about Khalil Mack. He was disruptive. I believe there was actually one series where he got so uh, so much pressure on uh, continuous uh, snaps that he single-handedly forced a three-and-out by getting to Cousins, forcing him to get rid of the ball quickly um, with nobody home, and then that allowed us to get a quick three-and-out. So on top of stopping the runs, um, and getting pressure on Cousins, it's going to have to come down to tight coverage, make each one of those throws contested because he only averaged 5.4 yards per pass in the last meeting. He wasn't able to really push the ball deep. And if that's going to be the same kind of uh, case this week, make sure that you don't give them anything easy underneath. And if you do, uh, make sure you can rally to the ball, all 11 players to that football, make the open field tackles, make sure they don't extend any of those easier plays and give them any of those gimme yardage. Those are the things that I want to see carry over because they did such a great job with doing that the first time around. If they can do it again, follow that same exact blueprint, which is going to be a little bit difficult because they already, we've seen them once. They have a different OC. They're going to do some different things. The Bears should be in good hands as long as they show up to play just like they did last time by. And we've already talked about this, but the one glaring difference between this matchup and the one prior is that they don't have John DeFilippo as their OC. Um, he was recently fired. Um, and ever since his departure, the one thing that kind of sticks out to me is they are relying a little bit more on their running back duo of Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray. And now lucky for us, um, we know we can shut down the run like no other. Uh, we did it last time. And throughout the year, it's been consistently uh, something that we've been able to do besides one or two kind of hiccups. Only allowing 81 yards per game on the ground, 3.8 yards per carry, and still the league low, only five rushing touchdowns allowed. And like I mentioned, Brandon, I want to put the ball in the Kirk Cousins' hand. And last time, the Bears were able to do just that. So what are your expectations for the Bears' run defense? Can they replicate? Uh, because the Vikings are going to be, with this playoff spot on the line, they're going to be giving it their all to try to get into the postseason. So it's really not going to be easy. But can they replicate that feat? Yeah, I mean, they, they absolutely will be playing with, with everything. They're going to lay it all out there because they know their their lifelines you know, on the line here. And at and home, that plays a big advantage because they can get the crowd into it as well. Uh, but as far as, you know, can they replicate that, the Bears' defense replicate that same performance? I think it's going to be tough. Uh, mostly because since now you said they're relying on the run a little bit more, uh, it's going to wear defenses down, especially later in the game. And that's what we've seen. Uh, I point out, I'll point out here the Giants game. Uh, Saquon had a, a big game in that one. A lot of his yards came in the second half uh, after they, that uh, second quarter blunder where they just kind of created a 15 yard pocket for him to run and didn't let him get out of it. But that was enough to create the momentum to set up the field goal. Uh, so if they can, uh, figure out a way to just get to these guys, not allow the lead blockers to get to that second level. The offense or the defensive linemen really have to do a good job of filling their gaps, allowing the linebackers to come in, fly in, and make the aggressive play. Then I think they'll be able to be pretty close, but I don't think they're going to be able to hold them to the 22 yards or whatever that ridiculously low amount was. But I, I think it, it's possible. I think they'll come relatively close, but I just feel that with them relying on the run a little bit more, we'll see some bigger runs break out in the second half. Well, hopefully not, because if the Bears can stop them early, just like they did last time, and build a little bit of a lead and force Minnesota to play from behind, then perhaps they ditch it. And once uh, they've been with the new offensive coordinator and play caller, they haven't been had to do that yet. So I'm curious to see if we can force them into having to throw a little bit more than maybe they're comfortable with or wanting to. I think I saw uh, Cousins was averaging like 36 
attempts per game uh, with DiFilippo, and that's dropped to like 24 or 22. So it's been a drastic yeah. difference. And I think if the Bears can do what we know they can, which is stopping the run and really put the ball back into Cousins' hands, that's really going to test not just Cousins, not just the playmakers on the outside, but really their new offensive coordinator in terms of his play calling and how he can kind of scheme up guys against the Bears. I don't know if he can uh, find much success. Not many offenses had. Uh, so far this year, but in terms of stopping the run, I believe the Bears can. Again, maybe it won't be like the 22 kind of total yards game, but maybe they keep them under 50 or maybe under 60. I mean, those are numbers I can live with. Even I, Anything under 75, honestly, is going to be putting the Bears in a favorable position. Um, but last time, they really didn't allow the Vikings to set the edge or get around it. Um, they didn't allow, thank you, Akeem Hicks, anything easy up the middle. Um, and even the corners, Kyle Fuller in particular, were coming in, screaming off the edge, kind of helping here. Um, so if they can kind of follow the same kind of mindset, the attitude, I think the Bears would be in pretty good shape. Now, looking at Cousins, the Bears did a great job, um, not just putting the ball in his hands, but also rattling him in that first meeting. Um, his two touchdowns, they came late in the game in the fourth quarter when the game was pretty much already said and done and out of reach. Um, but he was under duress. He had a lot. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. completions they were shorter throws. And of course, we forced them to two interceptions, including, like you mentioned, the Eddie Jackson pick six. Cousins has thrown five touchdowns over his last two weeks, and albeit though, three came against the Detroit Lions. We know how kind of lowly that secondary unit is. And for the Bears defense, uh, they've been getting better ever since that November 11th meeting between these two teams. And I do feel like, Brandon, this is going to be an easy answer here, but I believe it's still worth asking the question, what are going to be some of your keys to slowing down Cousins for the second straight time? A lot of it's going to come down to the the pass rush, like you mentioned, but I'm interested to see how these guys uh, in coverage play as well with Sherrick McManus. i seen Kevin Tolliver was in the game uh, a little bit on, on Sunday against the 49ers. Uh, and also Deion Bush, some of these more inexperienced guys with uh, there's still a lot of things to play for in this game. Like we talked about early, earlier in the, in the show. So I'd be interested to see how these guys step up in a moment on the road in a hostile environment. Uh, are they going to want to try and make the big play? Because Vic Fangio talked highly about him today in his press conference. Uh, said, you know, once you get confidence in being able to make the play, you just feel like you can keep doing it. Uh, so can these guys uh, stick to their assignments, stay disciplined rather than trying to make the big home run play? Because we've seen what happened last year in the playoffs against the Saints, the the Minneapolis miracle. Uh, when when they try and make a play or avoid a big play to avoid a penalty or something, they, they just have to go out there and do their job, stay disciplined. Uh, stick to their receivers, stick to the coverage, whatever their assignment is, and don't try to do too much and just rely on the system, and it'll really all fall into place. So I'm really interested to see how these younger, inexperienced guys in coverage play against Kirk Cousins on the road. Right, because you mentioned the key number one, like it is every week, but especially with Cousins, who kind of crumbles under pressure, it's going to be getting into the pocket, making him uh, have to sweat force some quicker decisions as well. And then on top of that, how well can this team coverage uh, keep things in front of them, make sure they don't get beat over the top, which I think Deion Bush is going to be that one kind of question mark in that regard with some good speed on this Vikings offense. Um, so as long as he can kind of play that center field position, um, probably won't be as well as an Eddie Jackson, but as long as he can hold his own, the Bears should be in pretty good shape there. 
But outside of that, like I've already mentioned, keep things in front of you. Uh, make him nickel and dime you, preferably nickel. Um, nothing easy. I'm going to say nothing easy um, within seven yards. And after that, if you're going to play off a little bit, that's fine. But if they're going to try to force some of these shorter throws into the flats, make sure they're contested. Make sure they're not getting any additional yardage afterwards. And if you put them into third down situations, this Bears defense has proven it can get off the field in a hurry. So those are going to be some of my keys in terms of stopping Kirk Cousins. Now, looking at those Vikings playmakers, of course, all eyes are going to be on Stephon Diggs. Um, he, I'm going to use the word tort here, but I'm going to use that with air quotes around it because he did have 13 catches for over 120 yards in a score last time around, but a lot of it was in the second half with some very soft coverage on, uh, I believe it was Prince of Mukamara's side, uh, as the Bears were just kind of playing more of a prevent defense in that second half. Um, but between Diggs, Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, et cetera. I do believe now we've been doing this podcast for years. We know what to expect from each of these guys, and I'm sure our listeners do as well. Um, and I've already time to talk about Eddie Jackson's absence is going to make an impact. Bryce Callahan as well, um, even though Sheriff McManus, he's been holding more than his own, um, stepping in for Bryce. I do – I and how do I want to phrase this? I can't shake the feeling this may end up the game – where we actually end up missing an Eddie Jackson, even a Bryce Callahan, maybe more than we have so far. Um, so with all that said, taking all this into account, Brandon, what are your expectations for the Bears secondary against this Vikings unit? I, I hate to agree with you that I think this is one we're going to miss Bryce and Eddie just a little bit because Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs are just such good route runners, such smart players. They know how to get open. Uh, they run very clean, efficient routes. They know where the soft spot is in the coverage. Uh, even in man, they know how to beat their guys, you know, off the line, get free, things of that nature. So there's going to be need to be help uh, from guys like Adrian Amos, uh, Deion Bush playing center field. Uh, maybe they even switch out Sherrick McManus for a Kevin Tolliver in the slot. I mean, I don't know exactly how that's going to get uh, get fixed if it does become a problem. But even then, you're going to have to uh, get some help from the linebackers over the middle because if you get uh, Adam Thielen in the slot who does a – a crossing route intermediately or shallow and they struggle to catch up with him because he's able to get off the line so quick and run a very clean route, uh, then then that's going to cause some problems. The open field tackling is going to have to become very, very important. We've seen the Bears struggle with that from time to time. So I'm I'm not too worried about uh, the outside guys in Prince and Kyle, uh, but where the, the help is going to be needed, I think, is going to be more on the inside guys uh, in center field, Deion Bush, because they're, they're inexperienced, and we've seen Roquan kind of struggle from time to time. We know Dan Trevathan's quick and get around the field. Roquan's the same way. Regardless, each players have had their struggles, and this is not a, a, a time where that needs to show up. This is a, a game like we stressed from the very beginning. Very important that we don't face Minnesota a third time, even if you do everything you absolutely can, uh, because I think that the added week we'll, we'll get Eddie Jackson and, and – well, we're not going to get Bryce back, but we'll be able to get, get Eddie back, I think, in time for the playoffs – that will help, uh, but we got to be able to make sure we do everything to not get to that point. And the, the secondary is going to have to step up, even even the secondary role players that are covering some of the weak spots like I talked about with the linebackers. Right. And for me, you talked about Adam Thielen in the slot, and that was one of our keys heading into the first matchup because I believe the week that we played him uh, earlier in the season, he came in having the second most uh, slot yards out of all receivers in the NFL. And I didn't really check in on that because eh, I didn't want to, uh, but I wanted to uh, <laughs> look into what he did last time against us. And he only had one catch in the slot, and then they moved him outside. Um, so that was the Bryce Callahan effect. So this time, do they move him back in to test Jarek McManus? And if the Vikings end up doing that, 
that's going to be a big key to this game, how well McManus can cover Adam Thielen in the slot. And like I mentioned, McManus, outside of one or two plays, he's done a phenomenal job taking over for Bryce Callahan. He's been sticky in coverage. He's been giving up his body to lay out for some of these balls to, to get his hand on it and knock it away from the receiver. Some very textbook coverage along the sidelines as well. So I'm not overly worried about McManus here, but it's something that we should pay attention to this game is that if they move Thielen into the slot, what kind of productivity does he get? And if it's easy productivity and if they can kind of get a rhythm between he and Cousins, how do the Bears respond? How do they adjust to that? Who do they kind of move over there? Like you mentioned, would it be a Taliber? Would they move up a safety and try that as well? Maybe a, a Roquan Smith, oh, who's a quick linebacker in coverage. How can they kind of counter that would be a big key to this game. But I don't know if it's going to get to that because McManus has been playing so good. I do believe that he should be able to hold his own. And there's someone else that we should look at too is going to be Kyle Rudolph because Earlier in the season, he wasn't as effective as we're used to him, but now he's starting to warm up a little bit because the Vikings, like we talked about, they're relying more on the run, which has opened up the play action, and that's where Kyle Rudolph kind of thrives. So the Bears, they did a great job covering George Kittle last week, and they need to do the same against Rudolph. He's going to be targeted. You just have to find a way to limit the yards after the catch from him. Is there anything else, any other matchups that you're paying attention to? Kyle Rudolph one is is interesting because for the most part I can't think of a game uh, this year that the Bears have had where they allowed the tight ends to have a extremely huge day. Uh, you know I think Buffalo is kind of the only one that comes to mind, and even then it wasn't a very big day at all by their tight end. So just continuing to shut him down, I think that the linebackers play a very big part in coverage, uh, being able to stay disciplined, know where know where the ball's at on these play actions because then you're gonna have to recover and pick up Kyle Rudolph because we know that that's a guy that they're gonna want to target, like you said. So. Uh, it's. I think it's just going to come down to a lot of discipline, and when they're going to be aggressive and try to stop throwing, that's when Minnesota is going to try to exploit it. So, uh, don't don't get burned too bad. I guess be aggressive early. I guess I don't know what the the right way to to play that is as far as stopping the run and then not allowing Kyle Rudolph to get a lot of yards because I think this is the the weakest matchup as far as secondary goes because once they get that run established, like you said, Kyle Rudolph's their man. Exactly. So that'll be an interesting key to kind of watch play out throughout the game. But it wouldn't be a preview episode without taking a look at the battles up front. And Brandon, you were gone last week, and I'll admit I kind of miss going to Mr. Trenches for these kind of breakdowns. So what are some of the matchups to pay attention to in the trenches for the Bears' defense? Both the guards, Tom Compton and Mike Grimmers, were limited in practice today. I know it doesn't say a whole lot because Friday is the day that you really pay attention to. Uh, but the fact that they're limited tells me that they're, they're gimpy. So attack the middle of the offensive line because – those right now are screaming weak links to me just because they're on the injury report. They may have a full practice tomorrow and be totally fine on Sunday. But regardless, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, uh, sent some A-gap blitzes. Roquan Smith had a sack last week. So be able to get those guys going up the middle because these guys aren't going to be able to be moving as fast or be up to the full speed. But they're going to go out there and they're going to play anyway because I know that their playoff hopes are, are on the line. So they're going to go out there and they're going to play it. So overwhelm those guys. Uh, since they're they're both on the injury report, that's that, those are matchups that I expect uh, the Bears defense to take advantage of. Then when you look at the tackles, Riley Reef and Brian O'Neill, they're very respectable tackles. We know what what Cleo Mack can do, especially with just one arm. And and Leonard Floyd's been playing extremely well this later in the year. We get the better he seems to be playing. Uh, so I think those are both matchups that are going to be really interesting. I don't really know who's got uh, an edge. Spoiler alert: there uh, as far as this matchup goes with the outside linebackers versus the Vikings tackles because uh, like I said both those guys are really respectable Cleo Mack Leonard Floyd been playing very well as of late uh, so that's it's gonna be an interesting matchup to see who gets the the edge in that one 
Absolutely. I mean, Akeem Hicks is someone who I'm looking at to uh, just because of the last game he had against the Vikings. He was playing some very inspired football, one of his best games as a pro. He had five tackles for a loss, and I didn't misspeak. That's five tackles for a loss, um, including a sack, two quarterback hits, and he even batted down a third down pass late in the fourth quarter. So for me, Akeem Hicks, like you mentioned, going up against that guard, it's going to be a very favorable matchup. Same thing with Eddie Goldman against their center, uh, Pat Elfine, uh, he isn't overly impressive. He's been struggling all season. Um, Eddie was able to get some really strong pressure and also just anchor that defense throughout the all game, which really allowed the Bears to stop the run in the first matchup. So that's what I'm looking at. And then if if you had to choose a tackle to kind of exploit, it has to be the right tackle on Brian O'Neill. Uh, Khalil Mack had a lot of success on him um, in the last meeting, getting a lot of pressure right in the cousin's face, rushing from that right side of the line. So that's another one. But... Anyway, boil it down. The Vikings offensive line is not that good. Uh, and that's the reason why they're trying to go more to the ground attack, not have Kirk Cousins drop back a ton. Um, there's a reason why the Bears defensive line had their mercy imposed right on that Vikings front last time. Um, they're the better unit by far. So everybody in the entire rotation, including a Bilal Nichols, including a John Bullard who had an impact play as well against the Vikings the first time around, Roy Robinson Harris. I'm looking for all of them to kind of step in, make their mark when the, when the moment calls for it. I think they can, the matchups are there. It just depends if they can rise to the occasion in a very hostile environment, like you mentioned over in Minnesota. All right, B, anything else uh, on your, in your notes, either about the Bears defense or Vikings offense that you want to kind of bring to the table here? Uh, I wish I looked up what the, the third down and red zone was because I know you're going to go there and I kind of wanted to beat you to it. But uh, no, I don't have anything else. So I'll let you take the floor. Yeah, you know me. That's my bread and butter <laughs> that I like to bring here. So the Bears defense, um, I talked about in the postgame show, and I did tweet this out because I told you in the postgame show that I'm fairly certain that the Bears red zone defense has been just on fire over this three-game win streak. And that came out to be very true. They've only allowed one touchdown on their last nine red zone trips allowed. So that is just insane, number one. Um, so the Bears have been doing a phenomenal job of forcing teams either in a field goal situation or just points off the board entirely. And speaking of leaving points you know, in the air or on the table, the Vikings, they leave plenty of those. They rank 23rd in the NFL in their red zone. They're only scoring touchdowns on about 50% of their red zone trips. So you got to feel good about the Bears' chances of really forcing them in the field goals. Even if they bend a little bit, the, the Bears' defense should have a good, job, a good time not breaking. Additionally, like Brandon mentioned, looking at some of the uh, third down here, Minnesota, they do struggle on third down. They're ranked 21st in the league. They convert on less than 40% of their third downs and the bears defense are ranked fourth. They're allowing roughly the same average as Minnesota converts. So this is kind of an area where the bears again, should not have an issue getting off the field kind of like in the first half of the, of the meeting in November between these two teams. And if they just execute, like we know they can, the bears defense should be able to get off the field with no problem. Is there anything you want to mention about those numbers that maybe uh, piqued your interest? Hmm. I mean, I think they're kind of self-explanatory. I know I'm not expanding a whole lot on it, but I think that keeping them off the field when we get to those third-down situations, if Cleo Mack every time goes out there and forces a three and out, that'd be awesome. Obviously, it's not going to happen, but bringing that pressure, getting them to those third-down, third-and-long situations are, are going to be key, I think, for the Bears in this one because that you're put, you're forcing them to put the ball in Kirk Cousins' hands at that point. Uh, they, they can try and run it, uh, but I don't think they're going to have a whole lot of success in this one. I think maybe by the end of the game, like I alluded to earlier, uh, the Vikings run running attack may pick up some, but 
just because they'll be the Bears defense will be worn down by that point. But uh, getting them into those third and longs, especially early, early on, I think is going to be key to keep the Vikings off the board and allow the offense to be aggressive, put points on the board, get pressure early, play very good complimentary football. So I think it really comes down to third downs early in the game. It's going to really set the tone. All right. It's time to find out who has the edge. And Brandon, I'm going to go to you. Bears pass rush versus that Vikings pass protection. I'm going to get to the Bears pass rush because, like you said, uh, I kind of alluded to, wasn't sure which matchup to take on the edge, who has the edge on the edge. But overall, as a unit, the Bears pass rush is going to have this one. I mean, they only had two sacks in the last matchup, but you said there was just a lot of pressure in that game, and that's just going to continue here. They're going to do their best to take that Minnesota crowd out of it. Uh, the offensive line is is middle of the road as far as sacks given up. I think they've given up 36 on the year. So even if the sacks don't show up, there's going to be enough pressure there to rattle Kirk Cousins. So I think that that's going to be enough. Uh, for the Bears to be able to pull out a very good defensive performance uh, as far as the pass rush goes. All right. So for me, I have the Bears run defense versus the Vikings ground game. And to me, this one's simple. Bears, they give us no reason to even doubt them in this category all season long, besides, again, a couple of hiccups on the year. But the last time, only 1.6 yards per carry allowed. And that's even skewed a little bit because Kirk Cousins had one carry for five yards. Um, Outside of that, the Bears are able to shut down Murray. They're able to shut down Cook. Uh, so for me, I anticipate more of the same here. Even if they go off for more than 24 total yards, which they probably will, the Bears really should not allow this to really decide the game in terms of allowing bigger games like on the ground, some busted runs. Uh, so for me, uh, easy edge here for the Bears. And then I also gave myself here, because Brandon, you're going to go twice here for the Bears offense later in the show, um, the Bears secondary versus the Vikings passing attack. And I'm going to give the edge here, despite no Eddie Jackson, despite no Bryce Callahan, the Bears, because just like the run game, you really can't go against them until proven otherwise. Only one touchdown allowed in the red zone in our last nine, nine attempts, like I've mentioned. So even if we don't have Jackson, we should be okay. Um, only 5.4 yards per pass allowed last time. That's due to the pass rush being aggressive. So as long as your edge here of the Bears pass rush hitting home, getting in there, disrupting the pocket, forcing him off his spot, forcing Cousins to throw the ball a little bit quicker, and if the coverage is tight, forcing him to throw a little bit uh, shorter, which he's done all year long, the Bears should not have any issues containing the Vikings passing attack. So for me, the Bears get the edge there as well. And Brandon, I'm going to go over to you now for our X Factor on defense. Who do you got? I'm giving it to Deion Bush because, like we talked about earlier, limiting the big plays are going to be really important. And, the, you know, the first time we played with John Filippo as our offensive coordinator, they're a much more dink and duck team, dink and dunk team. Uh, now, now it's a little bit of a different offense. We've seen them put up 41 against Miami, and they were able to put up 27 against the Lions last week. Uh, so they, they've picked up a little bit, a little bit in tempo. So the, the inexperienced safety here in Deion Bush, he can't cheat. Uh, he can't play too far up if they're going to be drawn in that way. Got to be able to watch where Kyle Rudolph is on the play fakes. Uh, don't be overly aggressive uh, in, in stopping the run. Adrian Amos does a very good job of that by himself. Uh, so don't get yourself beat there, Dion, by by coming up and biting on the on the run when it's a play fake. Just really don't open the door for the big plays uh, that get the crown involved because those are those are the momentum swingers. Uh, so if Deion Bush can really limit uh, how how deep these bigger plays go, I think it's going to play a, a big role in how good this, this Bears defense can be in this one. For sure. No, he's an obvious X factor, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like He is like a right. very crucial 
element to the Bears' success on defense this week, especially over the top. They have some speed um, in digs, even if Thielen has a route runner and Treadwell too. So they have some speed to get over to the top. So making sure um, that he's in position to eliminate some of those bigger plays, um, don't leave those windows open anywhere past 15 yards, is going to be a very crucial element in this game. Uh, for me, I have two, and I'll do one for me, and I'll give Nick one too. Uh, for, uh, for me, I'm going to do Sherrick McManus. Um, like I've already mentioned, if they put Adam Thielen in the slot, how well he can match up on him, mano we mano is going to be very um, critical into the game's outcome and the success of the Bears' defense. Um, if he can shut down Thielen in the slot, which may force him to play outside like he did in the first meeting, and that being up against either a Princeton Mukamara or a Kyle Fuller, I think our odds are much more in our favor if that ends up being the case. And then secondly, Roquan Smith. We haven't talked about him yet, but he's going to be um, a very vital element this week as well for the Bears' defense because he's going to be tasked with, of course, helping stop this run, which is something that the Vikings have kind of picked up on. And secondly, Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray can both be effective coming out of the backfield as receivers. And with Roquan Smith uh, being able to take away some of those shorter throws in the slot, uh, or in the slant and the flat is what I'm trying to say here. Um, and also, if they do line up in the slot, laying up against them on some of the, and uh, just staying with them on some of the longer developing routes, it's going to be very uh, vital. And of course, he may even be lined up on Kyle Rudolph for some time to time. He's going to he's a very versatile player. Goes up against some multiple um, playmakers each and every week. So Roquan Smith, um, someone who's only nine tackles shy of Ryan Urlacher's rookie record, um, very big big role and choose to fill this week in Roquan Smith. All right, so we've reached the halfway point of our show, and we're going to kind of reset and shift our focus on to the Bears' offense. And while we do that, let me just take a moment to tell you about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's really hard to know who to trust. And that's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek puts millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats that you want for a price that you're willing to pay. There's nothing like going to a Chicago Bears game and being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. Um, As you know, I personally thoroughly enjoy how SeatGeek allows you to sort the tickets by value, and on top of that, you can set your minimum price. And by combining those two features, I'm able to instantly see the best seats that fit my budget. That way, I know the tickets I'm looking at are the ones that are, are the most worth it for the amount of money that I'm willing to pay for a ticket. And SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on the value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. So make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And all of us at the Chicago Audible, we have the app on our phone. It's by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets. And I was just looking into Bears playoff tickets. Of course, like I mentioned, they are a little bit pricier than regular season tickets. But I would encourage you to go root on the Bears for their first home playoff game this year. And on top of that, if you're still looking to catch them maybe this week in Minnesota, if you live in the area, definitely check out because there's still plenty of amazing tickets left. And the best part of all is that our listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All righty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brandon Hazlett. We are previewing the Bears' regular season finale against the Minnesota Vikings with playoff implications on the line. It really does not get much better. 
And it's time to begin our offensive discussion. Matt Nagy's unit is going to have itself a hard time scoring points, to say the least. In the Vikings' previous seven home games this season, they've only allowed 10 touchdown drives. And that's tied for the best home mark in the NFL. Now let's go ahead, Brandon, and let's discuss Mitchell Trubisky. He's been playing very well over the last couple of weeks. Um, he's a combined 45 of 57 for 481 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's playing smart, efficient football. Now this week, he's going to be going up against a defense that's going to give him some fits. They have throughout his entirety of his career. Uh, last time, he only had 165 yards passing and two interceptions. Additionally, the Vikings have allowed, on average, only 123 passing yards per game over their last three. So no matter which way you want to splice this and look at it, the Vikings defense is going to present the Bears with a very difficult challenge ahead. So I want to know, looking at Trubisky here, what are some lessons that you hope carries over from the last two weeks and some of the areas that you want to see improvement this time against Minnesota compared to the last game? Well, you said the last couple of weeks he's been playing very smart, efficient football. And when you look at Minnesota, they have the most sacks in the league. They have 50 this year. Uh, so he needs to be able to, to, I think he recognizes that at this point. Uh, but what he's doing in the offense, he's working within the system. And when he sees something he doesn't like, he has no problem changing the routes, i.e., you know, the 43-yard completion Allen Robinson last week. You know, he, he notices these things. So when he, I think when he looks at the stat sheet, I don't even know that he's got to watch tape to know how much pressure Minnesota brings. But you just look at that stat sheet, and he's going to have to try and figure out a way. Him and Coach Nagy and Mark Helfert are going to find a way to get the ball out quick because we've seen that's the way that the Bears get beat when they bring a lot of pressure, right? So that, I think we fight fire with fire and do that against Minnesota a little bit here. He's going to have to be able to find those quick, hot routes uh, he's going to have to rely on his security blankets early to allow some of that pressure to back off a little bit. So he's got a little bit more time to throw. And also he answers the call like very well. The bears were uh, down in the game last week out uh, of the 49ers. Uh, they were, or the Packers were down eight, came back and tied the game up at one point. Uh, and then Mitch steps up and delivers points uh, on, on the scoreboard in both these games. Uh, when the opportunity called for it, he stepped up him and the coaches were able to get a drive put together put points up on the board. So if we can continue to see him answer adversity, answer that call and continue to play smart, efficient football, get a feel for the game, then I think he's going to be able to have a lot of success. And this Minnesota defense is tough. It's not going to be an easy task by any means, uh, but just being able to, to stay within yourself, control what he can really control uh, and just answer the call whenever it's given to him. Cause those are, I think some of the three biggest things that Mitch is going to have to overcome in this one. And we'll see how, uh, how he does it. For sure. Now the last time I was looking at her notes from the post game show and I was re-listening to it earlier today. Um, the one thing that he must not do that he did last time that we all were griping about, no more forcing throws downfield when they aren't there. Uh, There's a few times, I think he threw one into, I think we said triple coverage over the middle of the field, which ended up being intercepted. Um, you know, that's been an issue uh, this season. Um, it continued, um, it did continue against the Vikings last time. I think since then, he's actually kind of calmed this down a little bit where he's not forcing all these throws. Um, the only other game that may come into this that comes to mind would be the Rams game, but no quarterback had a good game that day, so I'm going to kind of call that a push. Um, but at home, against this in this loud atmosphere, um, like with getting that crowd trying to find and eliminate them, if you can just, and again, I kind of said this is what I want Cousins to do, but this is what I want Trubisky to do. Um, find those some easier completions underneath. Build a little bit of a rhythm because um, they're going to be bringing the pressure, like you mentioned, leading the NFL in sacks. So if you can find a way to you know, oppose that, counter that with some of these quicker throws, I believe the Bears have the playmakers to make some you know plays with the balls in their hand. Um, but additionally, what he did really well last time um, when there was pressure in his face, and he's been doing this all season though, is evading that 
extending the pocket and either running for it and getting positive yards or keeping his eyes downfield and finding some of these receivers open like he did last week um, with even a Taquan Mazel on the sideline to extend a drive to get a crucial third down pickup along the sideline. Uh, so if he can do th- those things and eliminate some of those forced throws and some very unneeded tight coverage, uh, so eliminate that, hit some of those open guys, spread the wealth, which I think is a big reason behind the Bears' success as of late. Uh, the, he should find a way to have, um, I'm going to say a successful day, um, but we have to keep in mind what standards would be uh, to, con- to consider a successful day against the Vikings defense, because that's going to be different than going up against the 49ers or going up against even another team like the Lions, for example, who are another lowly uh, secondary. The expectations need to shift, um, but as long as he can play efficient, uh, limit the turnovers, um, play within the system, keep the ball moving, keep the chains going, and keep that Vikings offense off the field as well and wear down this Vikings defense, get the crowd noise, become not a factor. He, we should be in store for a very, I'm going to say, decent game out of Mitch. Now, last time, again, only 165 yards through the year, so there's not a lot of sample size from the Bears' wideouts. Um, they relied heavily um, with Taylor Gabriel. He ended up having 52 yards and seven catches, uh, those seven catches actually being a career high for Gabriel. And I'm certain that the Bears, like I kind of mentioned, I'm certain they're going to kind of want to keep that spread-the-wealth mentality because it's been working quite well. Um, but one thing I want to mention before we get into specific matchups is that Allen Robinson, he's still dealing with a rib injury that was sustained against uh, the 49ers on Sunday. Uh, Matt Nagy hasn't said if he will or will not play. He hasn't been practicing. Uh, so, Brandon, what's the right call here? I believe we know that the Bears are doing a great job of managing this injury. So if he's not, if it's going to potentially limit his playoff impact, I'm certain he may not play. Um, so say if he doesn't play, how will that impact this Bears offense? It's really going to limit the the security blanket that the Mitch Trubisky's got. Cause I've, uh, it was the Packers game uh, where he was just, he was looking for Allen Robinson early. And once he's able to hit him and get in that stride, then things were being, uh, yeah, were being able to flow a lot better for Mitch as that game went on, because he had the confidence built that he could complete some of these passes. He could put them where his guys are only going to get them. Uh, so when you kind of eliminate a guy that he's really got trust with, uh, he's got to kind of look to other options. And I know that he's got trust in all his receivers now at this point as we see it now as he's spreading the wealth. As you've mentioned a couple times already, he's going to look at guys like Taylor Gabriel. Uh, Tariq Cohen is a guy that he's got uh, a great chemistry with. Even Jordan Howard a little bit out of the backfield. Those are ways that we can uh, avoid the pressure and get the ball out quicker is be able to use some of those screens, some of those quick passes to the flat, things of that nature. So I don't know necessarily if there's any one specific guy that we're going to rely on frankly i think sitting alan robinson is the correct move to make regardless if he can go or not uh because i'd much rather have him in the wild card game than for this week 17 matchup where even if we win we still may get the vikings anyway i think he he plays a big part in it especially in the offense very clean very good route runner very good hands as we've seen all throughout the year uh but I, i think sitting him is definitely the right move yeah, you don't want to really push the envelope here for a game that end up couldn't you know could end up like you said could be being a little bit pointless if we win and the Eagles still lose and we end up having to play the Vikings again and say you lose him for a longer extended time or he has to deal with this injury for yet another week that may not be the best move but we'll see exactly how it all plays out if it's minor enough where they're okay with him playing and he actually suits up I'll trust the decision. Um, but from our perspective, with it being a, an injury that so his midsection as a receiver who goes over the middle to make some of these catches, I would prefer him to feel a little bit healthier, like you said, in the playoffs. But outside of him, 
looking at some of these matchups, it's, and again, going up against this defense, it's going to be tough any way you slice it. Um, whether you're targeting an Xavier Rhodes, a Trey Waynes, a Harrison Smith, and an Anthony Harris, it's going to be dangerous because all these players can make plays. Um, I personally, um, and usually I have three to four matchups I pay attention to, I don't have one that I'm truly confident in this week. I don't believe that the Bears, say a one-on-one matchup, have a, an edge over any of these players. So what the Bears need to do, what Matt Nagy needs to do, is find a way to scheme these players open, find those favorable matchups mid-game, uh, do some of these adjustments like we saw against the 49ers. And of course... Uh- Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Like I mentioned too, for Mitch to play within his system, find these matchups, hit these open receivers, and let them make the plays instead of forcing some of these balls like he did last time. Those are my keys to success when it comes to the air, no matter who the matchup is. It's going to be tough. You just got to find a way to schematically make it easier for these players on the field. How about you? Do you have any matchups in particular that you're actually looking at? Not really in particular because when you when you look at their, their stat line, Minnesota gives up 189.5 yards per game, which is third best in the league as far as passing yards go. And you can put that hand-in-hand with the 50 sacks that they have on the year. Uh, quarterbacks can't throw the ball because they're just constantly getting pressured. So however Matt Nagy and Mark Helfrich feel the need to be able to get some of these guys open, uh, then go ahead and, like you said, you really have to scheme open. I think you're going to see a lot of quicker passes, be able to calm that pass rush down early. I think we're going to see some more RPOs, keep the defense at check so they're not being overly aggressive on the run. Uh, but I think that a lot of it's going to come down to how well can they move the pocket and keep Mitch from not being under so much pressure throughout the entirety of the game because that's, I think, a big part why the Minnesota passing defense is so good. Also, the same reason why the Bears passing defense is so good, just because they're able to get consistent pressure on the quarterback. So got to be able to find a way to eliminate that first and foremost. And then from there, it's going to come down to uh, who's schemed open because like you said, there's not really one particular matchup that I like. And a lot of it just comes with a lot of pressure. Right. And this is where it gets actually really tricky because I don't know how much you want to show them. I mean, I know we've played them once. They have a whole season of tape. So maybe this actually doesn't even matter, but if you're trying to find a way to combat it and it's worked against us is using a little bit more tempo. And we've seen the bears use it from time to time this season and it's been effective. So maybe get into these shorter rhythm passes, maybe push, you know, the ball a little bit in terms of getting back onto the line of scrimmage, snapping it really quick, getting them off, you know, their little rhythm on defense, getting them on their heels just a little bit because they're a defense that plays on their toes. They're very aggressive. They like to, you know, push the envelope a little bit and force that offense to find a way to beat them. So if we can flip the script, put the momentum in our favor, even if it's five to six yard passes, seven yard passes, go no, you know, go hurry up, go go some tempo and keep them on their heels going backwards, wondering where's that next reception going to happen. That might be a really good formula for the Bears. And again, it's, they're not going to do it all game long. But if they want to pick their spots on a certain series or two to do that, to really throw them off guard, that's going to do a lot of um, things that would really, I think, benefit the Bears offense. But then it also goes, do you want to show them that now? Or do you want to kind of keep that in your back pocket for the potential matchup the week after? Again, this is where things kind of get a little bit tricky. Do you have uh, do you have one that you would do? I was just about to ask you the same thing. Um <laughs> Gee, I don't know. I, I, if it's tough because you don't know who you get because if Philadelphia loses, 
they've got everything, but do they already have everything? You know, they've got a whole year's worth of tape on it. So I think that you, you can show them some things, uh, but I think Matt Nagy's, you know, smart enough to keep some things hidden up his sleeve. We've seen how good he is at the in-game adjustments throughout the year, especially last week. Uh, we've seen how good uh, Mitch has been. Uh, he's been getting better under pressure, being able to evade some of this pressure. So, and he throws very well on the run, so I think that may be something they rely on a little bit more. So I think maybe you show a little bit just to be able to, you know, for the sake of the game in case Philadelphia does win, uh, but I don't think you rely on it a whole lot. What about you? I don't know. I'm torn. It really does depend. And I believe that they will be scoreboard watching because these games are going to be happening at the same time. So maybe you're, it's like second half, you're down by a little bit, but then you check the scoreboard and Philly is down by a couple of scores. I don't know how much more fight I would show uh, just with everything kind of coming up with the next week, but this is a team that prides itself and I don't expect them to just roll over, but maybe I'm overthinking this, Brandon, but this will be a week where I, as an offensive coordinator and offensive play caller, I would try to find a way to confirm a few of my quote-unquote tendencies that I've established this year to show them, oh, yeah, this is what we do in Formation A or Formation B 70-plus uh, percent of the time. Like when the Bears are under center, I think they run it with – and Howard's in the game, they run it over 70% of the time. I would play to that so hard to make the Vikings believe, oh, we have them, we understand them, and then the next week do everything you can to counter those tendencies to really throw them off guard. I don't know if I'm overthinking that or if that's strategic football. Again, I'm not a coach in the NFL. I'm just a Bears fan talking about it. But if, if that's what I was doing with the potential uh, potential uh, ability or, yeah, the potentialness of actually playing the same team twice in a row and I'm playing them three times in a season, that may be something I would do. And even and then, whoever's scouting the Bears for the next week, even if it's Seattle, even if it's Philadelphia, they would look at the tape and kind of get the same beliefs like, oh, they do kind of play to these tendencies. And then for Matt Nagy to find a way to counter them would be a great way to kind of enter the postseason. All right, let's move on to the ground here because Jordan Howard, he's been getting more involved. He's averaged 16.8 carries over his last four games. He has scores in back-to-back weeks. Um, the Vikings defense, um, they've allowed uh, top opposing running backs to go for at least 72 yards and a touchdown in three of their last five games. Um, as a team, the Bears did have over 100 yards in the ground in just the first half against the Vikings. So I'm curious, B, do you have any expectations for Howard? Um, last time against the Vikings, he had 18 carries for 63 yards, and that's before he was starting to become a real staple in this offense. Right, and his his effectiveness has, has really gone up the latter half of this year, and I think that might be Matt Nagy kind of going against the tendencies because, like you said, earlier in the year, uh, we were doing a lot more more passing. We were a very pass-happy team, and we were kind of clamoring for more Jordan Howard. Now here he is, and he's healthy. Uh, maybe that's something that Matt Nagy had done intentionally was to kind of use him sparingly here and there and then really hammer him out the second half of the year. I uh, really try and get him rolling going into the playoffs. That way now we are a full circle team. We have, you know, the passing game figured out. We have the running game figured out. Now it's just getting that balance. And I think that Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen and even Mitch Trubisky a little bit are going to be incredibly important in this run game because the longer you can keep Minnesota's offense off the field, the fewer points that they can, you know, fewer points they have time to score. So I think that the time of possession really plays a big key here, and it's not just Jordan Howard. Uh, it's going to be Tariq Cohen. It's going to be Mizell, or we haven't seen Cunningham run the ball, but I wouldn't put it past him to be in there in this one for some odd reason, just because you're not sure what Matt Nagy's going to pull out of his sleeve, and even Mitch Trubisky. And a big part of with all these guys running the ball too, uh, something I noticed in the 49er game, they, they coughed up a couple fumbles, uh, and there were a couple that 
you know, the guys were down before the ball came out, but it's still nerve wracking enough that ball security, I think, is something that's got to be stressed going into this one because you can't give the the Vikings many more chances than they're already going to get. Right. I know the ones that you're referring to were more Trey Burton, Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson, but, yeah. But regardless, that carries over to the entire team, like ball security each and every week. But seeing that, um, they're getting a little bit – last week they were a little bit too lax with the ball, letting it go even if their knee was down. Uh, so like you said, making sure to you know keep your hand on the pigskin, making sure it doesn't even get close is going to be a very big priority. In terms of Jordan Howard, you said it, he's getting more and more effective as the season's kind of wore on. And when I'm looking at expectations, again, the Vikings have a very good run defense. They have a very good defense in general. So I can't really say I expect him to go for 85 yards or more or 100 yards or more. I think he needs 170 yards to break 1,000. Uh, so maybe they just want to give the ball to him like 50 times let it happen. <laughs> uh, that'd be nice to have him have three 1,000-yard seasons to begin his career. But seriously, I can't really say a certain amount of yards would be successful. Um, but what I do believe will happen is that he'll get his touches. Um, like he's been getting almost 17 per game over the last month. Um, and when he does, he's going to make the most of his carries. So even if he has 15 carries for 65, 70 yards, um, but they're effective runs that are you know key third down conversions or a few first down runs that turn it from first and 10 to second and four, those are going to be some of the plays that are really going to change this offense and really allow it to kind of stay ahead of schedule and give the Bears the best chance of succeeding because Minnesota on defense, and we'll get to this in a bit, they're very good on third down, and they're very, very good in the red zone. Actually, I think they're very, very good at both categories if you want to use very twice. But Jordan Howard's going to be a big key of keeping the Bears on schedule and keeping those third down conversions um, and at least manageable, which is something the Bears are going to desperately need this week. Now, the Bears offensive line, they had their fair share of issues in the last meeting. And again, against this Vikings front, most offensive lines do. Uh, Trubisky he had a hard time really getting comfortable in the pocket. Um, they actually, as a unit, the Bears gave up nine tackles for a loss in that first game. Uh, Daniel Hunter, he's, of course, the player to pay attention to. We talked about him last time. He had three tackles for a loss in the last matchup. And he has 15 sacks on the year, which has kind of slowed down a bit because he had 11 coming into that last meeting. Uh, so, of course, we're going to be watching him coming off the edge. But, B, do you have any other battles up front that you're kind of zoning in on? Can I say the rest of the three guys, whether it be Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, or Sheldon Richardson? Because all these guys, even Tom Johnson, I mean, all these guys are just so talented. And at one point or another, I would expect one of them to be able to win their matchup. The Bears' offensive line has been playing very, very well of late. Uh, but that doesn't mean they're not going to be able to to hold their own here against Minnesota, especially on the road in a loud environment. I'm kind of anticipating a false start or two from the offensive line. Uh, but regardless, these these guys uh, up front for Minnesota are just so good, so talented, so strong, so fast. I, I've got a lot of praise for these guys. They're just very good players. Uh, so I don't expect there to be uh, one guy who steps up because, like you said, they had nine tackles for a loss in the first matchup. They're they're not all coming from the same guy. They were nice. They were good in being able to to limit the sacks. Mitch only got sacked once uh, by Eric Wilson, who was I think who that's was a linebacker. More on Mitch. What's that? So I think that's more on Mitch than it is the offensive line. Mitch's ability to kind of move right. around because they were giving up decent amount of pressure throughout that game. Right, but regardless, he still was only a sacked once, so regardless how you, you slice it and dice it, uh, they're able to hold them back just a little bit more, and Mitch is able to extend the play, whatever it is. So I, I look at all these guys, and there's not one matchup that I really look at and go, yeah, we can we can win that one. I mean, we've got some talented guys. Brian Wittsman's been playing better. 
Uh, Bobby Massey and Charles Leno have been very good staples all year. They didn't allow Hunter to get a sack last week at all, but like you said, the pressure's still there. So there's not uh, one matchup that I look at and I go, that's one that we can win because these are all uh, at different points in the game going to be very critical matchups. Yeah, I think that's the same exact uh, point we had for the wide receivers against the secondary, which I think is valid here because, um, like you said, they have good players across the board. Uh, just like our defensive front, they're going to give um, you know each side of the line, the interior, even the edges, some fits throughout the entire game. Uh, so Richardson on on Witzman, round two. Last time, I thought Witzman actually held his own. I think on the day, Richardson only had a one quarterback hurry and then I think maybe a half a sack. Um, so it wasn't a terribly disruptive day. Um, but something else, and it's going to something I mentioned last time, but it still rings true, is that the Bears must be able to handle some extra bl- rushers and some blitzes, especially from their secondary. Um, Harrison Smith, particularly against the Bears, they like to send him on blitzes coming after Trubisky. Um, and then he disguises it as well. Sometimes he'll kind of creep up into the box and then back off to kind of bait the quarterback in some of those throws over the top, and even vice versa. Sometimes he's off the ball a little bit, but he'll come in on the delayed blitz. Um, so he and, of course, uh, nickel corner Mackenzie Alexander, who's also very effective coming off the edge, um, blitzing, how well the Bears can kind of handle them is going to be a big key. And I just want to give props to Jordan Howard because last time on my notes going through it, um, I had two to three excellent uh, blitz pickups by Howard that allowed Trubisky to have some extra time in a pocket to deliver and make some crucial throws. So if Howard can do the same thing, which may be a reason why we see more Jordan Howard, less Street Cohen this week, just due to that pass blocking uh, that blitz pickup. Uh, as long as he can do that, the Bears should be able to limit that um, f- for the most part, I would say. Um, is there anything else on Bears offense, Vikings defense that you want to bring to the table before I do my patented check-in on third down in the red zone? I, really just the big thing for me was ball security that I already brought up because I was was nervous. I uh, tried not to show it during a Christmas party, you know, but I uh, was nervous watching that game when you see the Allen Robinson almost lose that fumble. Trey Burton almost lose that fumble. I mean, they're down. Uh, but then Mitch also lost one. Jordan Howard lost one as well. So uh, really ball security, uh, not giving up the, the three turnovers like we did in the first matchup, finding a way to take care of the ball. And I know that's tough with this Vikings defense because they get after the quarterback. They're going to force Mitch to do some things that he's going to look back and regret on, I'm sure. Uh, so just being able to to limit those chances that you give the Vikings defense to force a turnover, I think is going to be uh, incredibly huge. So ball security, especially when you have the ball in your hands, don't let it be a fumble. If anything, let it be an interception. There we go. Again, um, ball security is huge. The Vikings, I believe each and every game this year, they've lost the turnover battle. They've either lost or tied the game. Uh, so definitely for the Bears to win that battle, it's going to be very important. Now, looking at third down, the Bears on offense, they're 14th in the NFL. They're converting 40% of the time. And the Vikings, they have the very uh, the top unit on third down in the entire league. They're allowing conversions on only 28% of third downs. Um, the Bears, though, to their credit, last time they were, they were able to convert on 50% of their third downs against this defense. So we'll see if they can kind of keep that up, which is more than almost double their average. Um, so that's something to pay attention to. And then in the red zone, uh, the Bears, they are ninth in the league at 64% scoring touchdowns, but they're only 16th on the road. Um, they're 64% total, like I mentioned, but on the road, uh, they're only scoring touchdowns on 56% of their red zone trips, which is the reason why the Bears, uh, three of the four losses have came on the road is due to some of their inefficiency once they reach the red zone. And then the Vikings red zone defense, they are best in the league, only allowing touchdowns on 41%. But this is a really fun fact here. Their defense over their last three games is only allowing a 
percent uh, for uh, touchdown conversion rate down there, which is second in the NFL. Which the Bears are number one at eleven point eleven percent, with their one of nine. But no other team. You have the Bears at eleven percent over the last three games. Minnesota at sixteen percent over the last three games, and then it jumps all the way up to Tennessee at three at a thirty-three percent. So no other teams besides the Bears and the Vikings are lower than thirty-three percent, and they're sitting at eleven and sixteen. Wow. I know. So it's going to be some stingy defense come on Sunday. So I expect a low-scoring game. All right. So with all of this said, it's time to figure out who's going to be the X factor for the Bears offense. And Brandon, you have the honors of going up first. I talked about Jordan Howard earlier, and he's going to be my X factor because, like I said, he's just been so much more effective the latter half of this year. Uh, the last time these two teams faced off, the Bears won the time possession by almost 10 minutes because he, Howard had the 18 carries for 63 yards. And I'm I'm kind of torn on how this should really go if you uh, milk the clock when Howard's running the ball, take it all the way down, allow that defense to rest up, or you just kind of do you know the up-tempo thing like we talked about earlier. But I think Jordan Howard plays a big part in it, regardless what kind of tempo they choose in this one. Because uh, as long as he protects the ball, gets the same amount of carries, this continues to be effective. And I think they're going to milk the clock just a little bit. I think we see a similar result to what the Week 11 matchup was. Uh, it'll be a it'll be a close game, but uh, if you keep it in the the steady, reliable hands of the bell cow during hour, then I think things will be okay. And of course, like I mentioned too, um, his ability to pick up blitzers is something that should be uh, yep. beneficial to my X factor, uh, which is going to be Trubisky, which. I know we say he's an obvious one, but I do believe this week going up against the Vikings defense, one that's given him fits throughout his early and young career, um, is something to watch and pay attention to because if he struggles um, to really get a rhythm uh, in terms of you know not getting a lot of these completions, getting some three and outs, and just getting off the field, that's going to be a problem for this game. But if he can get into some sort of rhythm, spread the ball around, not force some of these throws like we saw in the last meeting between some of these uh, these two teams, then the Bears' offense should be able to do enough to win this game. And again, expectations need to be different because we're going up against a very good defense in Minnesota. Um, but as long as he can limit the turnovers, uh, play within the system, uh, play what I call a smart, efficient football, something he's done over the last two weeks, then the Bears' offense should be in good hands. So for me, uh, that's where the offense is going to you know, live or die by, by the hands of number 10 this week, which again, is something that we can probably say every week, but going up against a very good defense, um, it's going to be up to number 10 to make sure that he doesn't get beated and baited in some of these throws, kind of like he was in the meeting before. All right, B, I went out of order here, but we're going to find out who has the edge, and you're up first. Bears pass pro versus the Vikings pass rush. You know what? Uh, since the Giants' overtime loss, uh, the Bears' offensive line has played very, very well and has gotten better each and every week, in my opinion. Uh, and despite the Vikings having 50 sacks on the year leading the league, I'm giving a slight edge to the Bears' offensive line in this one. I think everything is just gelling for this offense right now. We talked about how efficient Mitch has been, how much more effective Jordan Howard's been. Everything just seems to be clicking, and I don't see that really to change here. I'm giving a slight edge to the Bears' offensive line. All right. And over to me, I have the Bears' ground game versus the Vikings' run defense. And I'm going to give the yeah, I'm going to give the Bears the edge here and that does actually surprise me that I did this. And I I mean I contemplated this one for a good 20 minutes before the show today uh cuz lucky me I get to know which ones I'm actually going to get the breakdown. I'm like Brandon who I like to put on the spot here. Uh but when you look at it, the Bears on the ground, they're they're trending in the right direction. Howard's getting used more, it's becoming more effective. And like I said, he doesn't need to rush for 150 plus 
in order for the Bears to win this game. Now, granted, if he does, the Bears are probably winning this game, but he doesn't need to have that kind of day in order for the Bears to have succeed on offense. He just needs to have effective runs, um, have efficient touches where he's generating positive yards, keeping the Bears on schedule. And the Bears, they're averaging 128 rushing yards per game in their three-game win streak. I expect them to kind of keep that up. And Minnesota, even though their defense is statistically good on the year, over their last three games, they're allowing 152 yards on the ground per game. So the Bears should be able to find a way to establish a run here. Maybe more than we're anticipating or expecting, but I do expect the Bears to find a way to have this edge. So for me, uh, the Bears ground game is going to have uh, the check mark plus, however you want to kind of note that back at home. But Brandon, over to you. The Bears passing attack versus that stingy Viking secondary. Well, stingy's right. But I think a lot of that comes with the pressure. I gave that advantage to the Bears' offensive line. So that being said, with Trubisky playing hot right now, being as efficient as he is, like we talked about earlier, 45-57, almost 80% of his passes completed. Uh, and he, he did good enough in the Week 11 primetime matchup. Uh, I think the coaches are going to have a, a good game plan in place to be able to get the ball out quicker. Uh, even if there's no Allen Robinson, I think he's going to be able to find Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel, uh, Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen. Tariq Cohen uh, a little bit faster. I think that they're going to be able to have a, a good game plan in place that's going to allow Mitch to succeed in this one, even if he doesn't have a, a stellar game like he's had the last couple of weeks where he's just been playing incredibly well. I think that he's going to do just enough again in this matchup uh, to give the Bears the advantage in the passing attack. All right. That's, that surprises me. I really thought you may have went with the Vikings there because, I mean, it's, it's difficult, but I do agree that the Bears – um, with their current hot streak, especially with Trubisky playing efficiently, they should be able to have the edge. That's kind of why I gave it to him. I, I, this Viking secondary is very tough, like you said, and a lot of that comes with the pressure. But since I gave the Bears offensive line the edge, I thought it only made sense to give the Bears pass tag. There we go. I guess we needed a broom or a boot today uh, yes. on both sides of the ball, actually, which uh, surprises me a bit. But, hey, we're leading the division. We're 11-4. and four. Life's good. We're confident. Uh, we've been... On the opposite <laughs> side of this for too long in the past, yes, so we may as well just relish in it as long as possible. All right, so it's time to enter the final segment of this preview and hand out our weekly predictions. And let's go ahead with our Week 17 bold prediction. And, Brandon, I'll let you noodle on it for just a moment because uh, I really want to get to mine because I like it. I have Roquan Smith finishing the game with 15 total tackles, which, of course, breaks Erlacher's record. Um, he's also going to have a forced fumble and an interception. Uh, Roquan Smith, who's going to have a lot of responsibilities this week, and the Vikings' uh, proneness with the Bears' uh, pass rush to kind of throw it short. He's going to be making plays sideline to sideline. He's going to jump her out for interception. He's going to get in there, force a fumble on one of these running backs. And on top of that, he's going to end up with 15 tackles and be the Bears' leader for uh, total tackles as a rookie, uh, which is going to be a great way to start his Bears' career, which regardless, it's been a great start to it. Um, but Brandon, how about you? What's going to be your bold prediction for this week? Uh, you brought up the the red zone stat uh, earlier when we were talking about the Bears' offense. And on the road in a hostile environment, I think that the Bears can go 100% in the red zone. How many trips? I need to know. That that matters. Oh, man, you put me on the spot on that one. I'm only going to say two just because of my, uh, my score uh, to predict the game here. So I'll say they go two for two in the red zone in this one. All right. That works for me. I don't know if that's bold anymore or not. I think it is. I mean, again, the Vikings over the last three games, only 16%. So even even going two for two, even if it's a small 100%, that's still very impressive. Okay, good. (laughs) You you have my (laughs) approval. That is officially going to be a bold prediction this week. I've had some pretty weak ones this year, so I figured I better clarify. At least you admit your faults, Brandon. 
Yes. <laughs> All right, MVB time. Who do you think is going to end up being our regular season finale MVB? I'm going to give it to Akeem Hicks because not only does he get pressure on Kirk Cousins throughout this game, but he's always played a very big part in stopping the run. And when Kirk Cousins has to throw the ball 40 times or more, typically doesn't work very well for the Vikings offense. So I think Hicks leads the charge in shutting down the run, and he's going to wield the defense to a very tough victory in Minnesota. I like it. I'm going to go on offense. I'm going to give it to your X factor of Jordan Howard. I believe that he's going to find a way to have one of his better games of the season in terms of rushing productivity. Um, again, even if it's not the most eye popping of yards, the, the rushes that he has, I anticipate being effective. Uh, Nagy will call him at the correct times. And additionally, um, and this should not go understated. That's why it's the third time I'm mentioning it here. His ability to pick up blitzes should only help Trubisky take some pressure off of him. And if Jordan Howard can get established, if he can have a strong game and take a little bit of pressure off number 10, the rest of the offense should be able to kind of settle in after the fact. So for me, I want to give the MVB to Jordan Howard and hopefully um, here Sunday night that ends up being the case. All right, so all we need to do now, we have two more things, but the second to last thing is predict the final score. And just to catch up on the standings, Brandon, you didn't give us a prediction last week heading into the show, so Nick chose the 49ers for you. So this time, you lost. So now you guys are both tied at 12-3. and three. I'm sitting pretty uh, right behind you at 11-4. Now, I usually get let Nick choose if you uh, who you pick, so it's your turn. Nick didn't give us one either. He forgot. Um, he was looking forward to this. So he must be distracted somehow this he week with be. all the holidays. So who's Nick going to pick this week? Uh, Nick is going to pick the Vikings just because he picked the 49ers for me. He's picked the away team or the against the Bears every time, I think, for me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue that trend for Nick. We'll give him the Vikings. All right. Works for me. So now you're up. How, who are you going to pick? Are you going to pick the Bears in the hopes of securing the top spot to end the year? Of course I am. And I have I have absolutely no reason to pick against them this year. They have played extremely well. They've gotten better each and every week. Uh, but on the road here and against the team that's fighting for their playoffs hope playoff hopes, I think that it's going to be a, a very tighter game. Uh, especially in Minnesota, it's just incredibly loud. I've said hostile environment probably fifty times throughout the duration of the show. Uh, but I think the Bears win this one a very close matchup, eighteen to fourteen. 18-14. Yeah, it is indeed close. And yeah, I agree. It's kind of hard to pick against the Bears. Uh, there's a reason why I'm 11-4 and in the year, and there's a reason why that may or may not sound like a coincidental record for those who maybe don't tune into each and every preview show. But I will admit that in years past, when I kind of just picked the Bears just out of my optimism, despite knowing that they'll probably lose, this year's a little bit different. I do feel like they're in it each and every week, and that's why all their losses come from a combined, like, Oh Jesus! Like it's not even. It's not a lot. It's like less than. Is it four points? It's close to it. No, I think it's something like that. Yeah, it's it's a handful or two, but they're all close. They're all they've all been one scored games regardless. Um, but, so for me, I have the Bears winning. Uh, the Bears are going to come to play. Matt Nagy said they must win. They need to win. So I believe they're going to come out with that mindset. And they're the best team in the division. They're going to continue to prove that. They're going to go into 5-1 and one against NFC North opponents, which is going to be a great feeling to say when it's all said and done. I have the Bears winning a very close, low-scoring game, 13-10 to 10, um, against the Vikings. Uh, it's going to be a defensive battle throughout the majority of the game, so buckle up for some old-fashioned uh, you know, black and blue division football here come Sunday in the regular season finale. All right, B, all we need to do now before we head off is uh, give out our confidence meter and our final thought before kickoff. So go ahead. You're up first. Uh, my confidence meter in this one's hovering around a, a six. Just with Minnesota 
uh, really needing this game. I think they come out and they play. They're going to get everything that they've got. And I know Matt Nagy's aggressive, uh, but we've seen the Bears kind of struggle on the road a little bit this year. Uh, majority of their losses of the four, you know, have come on the road. So I think that that's uh, kind of a recipe for the Bears to lose this one, unfortunately. But then we'd be able to come home to the wild card, play Minnesota at home. Then I think there's a, a chance, a better chance that they can win it there than on the road. But the Bears need this one just as much as Minnesota does. So I'm going to give it a six because the Bears need this one as well. And really, just as long as they, they take care of the ball, continue to play this efficient offense that they've had, the defense continues to be aggressive, continue to put priority at stopping the run. Uh, then I think that there's no reason they should should lose this game. If they keep those things in order, then the Bears, I think, will only beat themselves up there. All right, for me, I'm surprised you're at a six because I'm at a seven, which is probably the lowest we've all been for quite some time here on these preview shows, but you kind of hit it. Uh, the Vikings, their lives are on the line. They're going to be giving it all they have. And you know, I do believe, like you, that the Bears are the better team. I just don't know how much they are going to be playing, how much they're going to be fighting in this one. Even if Matt Nagy says it, it could just be coach speak to, to kind of appease us um, throughout this week. Um, so, you know, on top of that, they could be a scoreboard watching the, the Eagles. And if they're losing to Washington, like I mentioned, maybe there's something else to really push for um, after, you know, three quarters of this game. So, you know, personally, as a fan who uh, loves this team and wants to see them, you know, fight through the finish, I want to see them play the whole game and I want to see them play hard and end up winning this ball game. But, and if they do that, my confidence level is probably going to be more at about an eight because in the first meeting between these two teams, even though it was at Soldier Field, the Bears were up by, oh, I, a decent. It was like 17 to three entering the fourth or 20 to three entering the fourth quarter, regardless of the Vikings only scored 14 three. to three at halftime or something like that. Yeah, the, the Vikings only scored three points in three quarters. And then the all other points came in the final quarter when the game was up and the Bears were just playing kind of like prevent defense. Um, so right now with all the unknowns, including Will and Allen Robinson play or not, um, I can't be too much more confident than the seven. Um, but still, um, this is a team that I know we're better than. Just kind of will determine. Well, I guess it will all matter on how much the Bears want this one um, compared to how much the Vikings want it. I think that's what this game is going to kind of come down to. All right, so that's going to do it for a Week 17 preview. I want to thank each and every one of you who took the time to give the show a listen. And if you've been listening here all season long, you know, just a very special thank you to as, to you as well for uh, checking in each and every week. Now, we're not done. We're all excited to break down the first playoff game in eight years. But first, we need to break down the final game of the regular season. It's so refreshing to be at this point of the year, not wishing the year to be over, not looking ahead to the offseason, what moves are going to be yet to be made because we still have plenty of football ahead of us, and hopefully it's uh, Brandon's birthday is early in February, and I told him right before we went live, hopefully we're able to talk about Bears games throughout his birthday. So that would be a lot of fun if that ends up being true. But, yeah, we'll be up. We'll be talking to you soon. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.